Hey guys, welcome for to For Whom the Bell Trolls podcast by Trolls Under a Bridge. This is Jolly. And this is Wolfe. And I really stumbled through that. You hey. absolutely did. It's okay though, buddy. Yeah, man. Hey guys, we're here to talk about uh, monetization in video games, which is something, you know, we're starting to see a lot now. Maybe a few questions out there for gamers. Right. You know? Um, so first off, let's just kind of explain it. It's just an over, just covers everything for in-game purchases. Uh, some people might know it as microtransactions, but they you know it covers everything. So monetization, just as a blanket statement, means any money you pay for any video game product. Period. Inside the game, yeah. Okay. Because um, I mean, obviously, the a video game's monetized if you're going to buy the game. Well, clearly, yeah, you know that's kind of how you make money. Right. It's, it's just a term, uh, but. You know, how does that affect us? Is it good? Is it bad? You know, it, what's the future of it? And can players really benefit in the future from it? That's kind of what we're exploring today. So please stick around with us and uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Right, Wolfe? All right, Jolly, let's do this. What is a microtransaction exactly? Well, it's a, just a small transaction. All right, you hear it here yeah. first, folks. All right, moving on. Um <laughs> No, the general monetization issue, is your issue more that games are moving towards a premium model where the game is either free or cheap and they make up the majority of their funds through microtransactions? Uh, well, honestly, like with free games, I don't see too big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Maybe there are a few that have some things that you know maybe isn't as good for the players. It's too expensive. It's not rewarding enough. You know, you have to spend way too much to get the things that you want. Right. Um, you know, I don't want to call any game out directly, but my personal experience has been with, like, Smite. You know, there there are certain times where, and they've been making some changes recently, but there, there are certain times in that game, you know, the amount of money that you have to spend just to get that skin that you want, and they're all hidden inside chests. They're all, you know, whether it's your battle pass or whether it's just specific chests set to certain things. I can't get those certain skins unless I, you know, the only thing I can buy with in-game currency without using the premium stuff is, like, basic skins. Oh, yeah. There's just palette swaps is all they are. That's literally all they are. They're color palette swaps for the different gods. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they're not the only one that does stuff like that, so I don't want to make it feel like, hey, you know, I'm just going to call these guys out. you didn't want to call anybody out. I, however, have no such qualms. I will start naming names, my good man. (laughs) Exactly. Let's talk about... Yeah, and for every one of those, there's multiple others that do it, and maybe I just haven't played those types of games, or, mm-hmm. you know, whoever makes those games. It, it happens. It's there. And, you know, but predatory practices, that that's definitely something that has to go with, you know, alluding to, like, EA. Yeah, that's their... my major problem, is when people are just a little too greedy and slimy about their microtransactions. Mm-hmm. Like, we've talked about Battlefront 2, as far as we're concerned, it's DICE's Battlefield Front 2 or Star Wars Battlefield. That is not Battlefront 2. That is not the game we grew up on, and I will not stand for this. Oh, yeah. And that was my rant for the day. We're moving on. Oh, yeah. But as far as DICE's Battlefield, everybody knows about just how god-awful they were, like how much money they required, how hard it was to actually earn loot boxes. It was just insane. I have a personal problem with For Honor from Ubisoft. 
because the fact that the numbers were crunched and somebody came up with this god awful term like either 3600 years or 36000 years in order to be able to unlock everything through earning in-game currency. Yeah, and that that to me is just a little bit ridiculous. Why would you offer us an in-game currency that we can earn without spending our own, you know, real world cash on it? Mhm. Like, why even offer that to us if it's not even a viable thing if to do? If it's not feasible, if that economy sucks worse than anyone that exists in the real world. Yeah, yeah, and that... If I need billions of your in-game points to be able to equivalent to $10, like, U.S., what's the point? Yeah, and, you know, it's it's something we may not have talked about directly on the cast just yet. But, you know, you, you look at... Overwatch too, and they've had to make some changes to that. It's oh. not like their loot box system was perfect from the get go. Fans actually fixed that too, and that's what I. That's another thing to it. Well, yeah. us the players can make a difference on this. Oh no, I appreciate that it was because of what was going on with Battlefield and the player feedback in general. Blizzard actually kind of stepped up to the plate and fixed it. Like I've, I'm personally, I really enjoy Overwatch, and it's nice the way you get rewarded in that game. Every time you level up your profile, you get a loot box. You can get every three wins will give you a loot box up to nine wins total for the week. Or playing special game modes will give you loot boxes. They're better about offering them, but I still remember a time when Blizzard wasn't so nice about giving you free shit, guys. Oh, yeah, a lot of duplicates and stuff in there, you know. Oh, tons. Tons. Yeah. Blizzard also, at the same time, games the system because they have like 300 items to unlock per hero. Yeah, yeah. So they can afford to give you some more free chests when you've still got to spend oh, approximately a decade to unlock everything for every character. All the sprays and logos and poses and voice lines and yeah. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, there's a lot on that. And, you know, and, and just for those of you who are listening, we're not attacking your personal product there. You know, we're, that, that those are just good examples of games that we played and they're good games. Oh, and we just we want them, yeah. we just want the, the, the industry to become better, right? Um, so when we start moving forward into it, we're talking about monetizing game, like monetization inside of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we start going forward, looking into it, how is it going to affect us in the future? Like, what can we do? What is it that developers are going to start looking for? Like, what is the best place? What is the perfect world where developers can still utilize this to make money, but the gamers benefit as well? I think that we can look at some examples that exist already. Like we've mentioned Warframe before. Warframe was a total indie project. It's always been free to play. They eventually added the opportunity to do microtransactions. But at the same time, that game is free. All the money that's been spent on it is money that gamers wanted to spend to unlock new suits or do things. It's an accelerated path, not the only path to victory. Yeah, and there there's different ways to actually earn those as well. It's not like you just have to buy them. Right. You, know? you can like, earn oh. everything in game. Yeah, exactly. And it's all like, oh crap, well, you know, oh he's got that suit and I'm never gonna have that because I'm not gonna spend that money. Right. But, you know, or I just don't have the money to do that right now. And, you know, the way I look at at, at it into the future, and Warframe's a really good example because it's an indie developer that made it. But the one thing I look towards in the future is that free side of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and it doesn't always have to be free. But if we start moving towards games being $20 or less that are intended like multiplayer or MMO style of games mm-hmm. where you don't have to pay as much up front and you do have that in there 
and it's not a predatory practice, I think that is the future. I think that's something that helps us gamers out too because, I mean, how many people do you know? I mean, the average gamer right now probably buys, what, three games a year? If that, if yeah. they can afford it. Yeah, usually for me it's like one or two. Well, like we've said before, you know, things can get out of hand quickly. I personally, myself, spent $150 on Monster Hunter World for the collector's edition because I wanted a statue. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it took me six months to pay the game off, but that's not the point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I got it and I loved it. Yeah. But with the increasing price tags that are being attached to these games, and we've even heard rumors that with the new generation of consoles like the PlayStation 5, the game prices are going up. So they're only $60 now, but we all know it's closer to $65 after tax for a standard version of a game. Now we're looking at $70. Yeah, and, and and I think that that's not something that's going to change entirely for, like, singular player games, mm-hmm. but it's definitely something we can... It's definitely something that can be made easier, maybe. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. <clears throat> there you go. It's probably a little bit better there for people go. listening okay. there. But, yeah, it, it's something that... You know, single-player games, it's going to be really difficult to kind of do that because they're intended for you to play singly. And I'm willing to pay that $60, $70 because a lot of times it's worth it. I mean, you get hundreds and hundreds of hours of gameplay. Listen, man, perfect example. I'm not a fan of The Witcher. Don't at me. I'm not a fan of The Witcher. But the people that paid full price for that game got three, four, five hundred hours of content. Like, people that really get into that game and then love it so much, there's so much to do, you're definitely getting your money's worth with stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and and, and Witcher's a really good example because people will still play it. They'll still go through it, and, you know, that they've offered it on sale here recently and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and, I mean, it's been around long enough. But, you know, those are types of games, yeah, we're not going to see much of a change there. But what I really want to get into is the multiplayer games. Those games like Call of Duty, you know? You right. come out with Modern Warfare 2, but let's look at it. Call of Duty Warzone is actually doing much better than their paid game. Well, you do know? you think that that's because it's capitalizing off of the Battle Royale fever right now that people are still well, balls deep in? Well, that, and I mean, it's also the other game modes that they have, but Call of Duty plays really well into it, too, if you really mm-hmm. look at it. And the, the type of game that it is and everything else, it gives you this fresh idea. They did a really good job with it, you know, Uh and I think it's it's kind of showing a little bit there because that's really what I'm getting at is I think I think multiplayer games are going to start moving to more of this free model or maybe not free but maybe a reduced kind of price freemium yeah, freemium yeah yeah no more Clash of Clans we're good no more yeah. stuff like that because that's the direction the MMO genre went in in the what mid two thousands we stopped getting like PC MMOs and we started getting Clash of Clans. Uh, what else? Candy Crush was another monster in itself, but it's not really an MMO. But there were several other games. Like, they tried to make Age oh, yeah. of Empires into yeah. a phone game. Yeah, like That's yeah. the direction they were going with the genre. And it's only through staples like Final Fantasy fourteen and World of Warcraft that the true PC MMO genre still exists. But even then... Those games are subscription services. I don't have a problem with a subscription service to a game. You buy the game, and then you pay X amount of money per month. But the amount of content... Like, I just got back into Final Fantasy XIV a couple months ago. 
I have five years of content to catch up on. I feel like that was a good monetization. I feel like I made good decisions with my money. I'm getting the most I can for it. Yeah, yeah. And you you definitely are uh, with those types of games because there's just so much for you to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when I start getting more into the multiplayer type of games, MMO is already established. MMO is already set up perfectly for its player base. But let's face it, I, I like you said, I love Final Fantasy XIV. There's plenty of content and everything else. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of, no matter how much I love games, I'm still kind of that casual player type of guy. Oh, for and sure. when it comes to dedicating that amount of time, I you know, ooh, piece of candy, there's another game right there. I'm going to try that out, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it kind of messes with you a little bit because you can't dedicate that time no matter how much you love it. And... So the games that I start getting more towards when I'm talking about multiplayer type of games, I'm talking about Halo. I'm talking about Call of Duty. And those are games where the campaign has always been good, but why not just offer that off to the side? I think... Uh, You know, and and look at Rainbow Six Siege. The the biggest complaint I had from the get-go was, you're selling me just a multiplayer game, and I'm paying full price for this? Now, granted, it's a good game. Oh, the game was fantastic, and I've had a lot of fun playing it, but I was still really salty that I spent full price on a game that's literally just a multiplayer hub. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it's like, why are you charging me full price for this? You know, I get it, the operators come out, and... You can earn them over time, but... It's DLC. Yeah, but then you're selling a season pass on top of that. Uh Uh-huh. And And you're doing all this other stuff. another topic. Yeah. And... Like, the predatory practices for making money off of video games has gotten a little out of hand, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, but there has been examples of the gamers getting together and being like, hey, guys, we're not going to play your game. We're not going to do this. We're not going to purchase these products. We're going to get together. We're going to jump on Reddit. We're going to jump on Discord. We're going to jump on any way that we can get together. And we're going to stop this. That's what happened with Overwatch. Now, you know, Blizzard was already starting to make that change themselves. But their gamers stood up against them. Look at For Honor with Ubisoft. I know I say it wrong. It's whatever. Ubisoft. Yeah. Ubisoft. I'm going to always say that. American. Um, Yeah. American. But look at Ubisoft with For Honor. The gamers made them change that system. The oh, yeah. system's not the same now that it was oh, then. No, no. After that article that I was referencing earlier that I went off about, it actually has been changed. And the games community has stood behind it still, and they're actually still pretty strong in it. Like, it's still getting content update. It's still viable. And people are actually, a lot of them came back to it. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, it, we as gamers can actually make the difference as well. And we do need to stand up when we see predatory practices and things like that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that all microtransactions and everything else is wrong. You know, I I think it is a way to the future. I think it's a way to make it to where we can play multiple games a year. We don't have to worry about budgeting ourselves to play that one or two games like, oh, man, this game and this game's coming out. And I really want to play both, but I'm just going to have to pick between the two. And then Mm -hmm. I just got to listen to my friends talk about the other game while I play that game with them. Oh, yeah. You know. No, it's gotten to the point where you can really have to sit down and pick and choose. Like, you have to have a full-scale strategy meeting with your friends. Like, all right, I'm going to get this game. And then when this comes out, you get it. Okay, and then after three months, we'll switch. All right, so we've got this nice little, like, library program of gamers. This cute little community where we just hand shit off to each other. Yeah. But very few people can actually afford to get every new release. Now, you and I both know that just like any other product, give it some time, the price will come down. 
Yeah. A lot of people are bargain gamers, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Don't think no. for a second that I'm giving people shit about their financial status. Like, not for a second. I've spent much of my money and much of my video game collection over the years has been built off of clearances. Oh, yeah. And things and, like that. Yeah, and that, that I think that's one of the better things because where do you find all those sales and clearances at? You find them on Xbox Live, you find them on the PlayStation Network, and they do really good jobs. Like PlayStation right now has the, what was it, Big in Japan? I think. Well, the, as of recording, the Tokyo Game Show was this morning at around 5 a.m. Yeah, Pacific. Yeah. yeah, so they're doing a sale around that. I think it's called Big in Japan mm-hmm. right now. And so it's a lot of suggested games there. And I don't have an Xbox, so I don't know if that they're doing something, Microsoft's doing something, but they probably are. Oh, I'm sure yeah. everybody's on the bandwagon. I'm sure Nintendo's doing something. I'm sure Steam's going to do something. Yeah. Like yeah. Anytime there's a video game conference, everybody has sales. Yeah, but you know they offer those types of sales there. You know, so as we move forward into the future, I personally believe that, you know, this is a system that can actually work. This is a system that we can benefit from, but we do need to kind of tailor them ourselves. And we need to be really careful about looking for outside help outside the industry, because despite how much success this industry has, there are certain people of the higher up portions of, you know, our country and other countries they don't quite understand it. They still see video games as, you know, something that, you know, their great-grandchild plays or their oh, grandchild plays. of course, plays. there's a lot of people, and the people in power are just sort of out of touch because, let's face it, I mean, video gaming has had kind of a meteoric rise yeah. since its inception. Like, yeah. arcades were big and everything, but with home gaming, that's when it started to take yeah. off, and it really hasn't stopped since. Yeah, and I don't want to throw too much of politics into it because... You know, that's not the point of our podcast. That's not our podcast. why we're here. Exactly. Our podcast is to get together and talk about gaming and enjoy the things about gaming. But this is definitely something that I wanted to start off from to kind of show you guys that, you know, this is, you know, we're thinking about the bigger picture here because we want all of this to be better, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's something that we've enjoyed our entire life. It's something that most of you that probably listen to this have probably enjoyed your entire life. And some of you might not even think of yourself as like a big time gamer, but uh, check the apps on your cell phone. Oh, I was about to yeah. say, let's get into it. If you have Candy Crush installed, you're a gamer. Yeah, and that's going to make... If you play Clash of Clans, you're a gamer. Yeah, yeah, and you know, some people might not believe that too much, but they, I mean, they're games, they're games. You like to play games. Games are a part of our society. It's how we learn. It's how we become better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, it's a very, very deep-seated thing in there. So monetization may be a kind of way to make it more accessible to us, to make it a little bit better, to help us influence our own industry that we enjoy so much. It feels like the industry executives still don't know exactly how to monitor, or I'm sorry, not monitor, how to monetize towards us to get more people involved. So it seems like at this point, they're kind of relying on a lot of fan feedback. And as players and consumers of this medium, We need to be able to speak out. We need to reach these people. We need to help influence the thing that we all enjoy so much. Yeah. Like, we have to take an active part in our own enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. And and honestly, the the way I think about the industry, like how it's, if you think about phases, if it's like a, 
you know, if, if it's like someone growing up on their own, like you're already past the adolescence age, you know, we're mm-hmm. past those teenage years. We're starting to get more of that young, young adult phase where you start to get out of school and you realize, oh, crap, we have yeah. bills to pay? I've got my own job. I can buy whatever I want yeah. now. What do you mean I have to pay for electricity? Yeah, like, hello. <laughs> you know, the video game industry is like, oh, man, the 90s and the early 2000s were great. Oh, wait a second. We have, like, you know responsibility now yeah, it's like you used you know? to hate getting socks for christmas and now you're like please please yeah. somebody just give me clothes they're yeah, so expensive exactly like this industry has grown enough that where it's gaining respect people are getting into it i mean look at the esports side of things mm-hmm. i mean you, you know you, you got somebody that owns a basketball team and mark cuban that also is really big in the esports teams and things like that you have um you know basketball players that are you know there's there's quite a few actually athletes in general that are starting to get into esports and purchasing their own team mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then you look at it and when you have major networks that are buying into it, like E League, things like that, this is something that's building. Right. Like this isn't just some small industry or, you know, something for children anymore. And people are starting to realize it. And you start to look at the games that come out, they're more cinematic, there's a lot of more mature type of stuff for adults, you know? Because, uh, let's face it, the average gamer is in their 30s. Yeah, the demographics on that one. Well, it's because you've got a lot of old-school gamers that started gaming, like, when they were kids in the 90s and even in the early 2000s. Guess what? They grow up eventually. They're adults now with their own kids. So you have people like Mario, for instance. Mario has been played by about seven generations at this point. Yeah, like, yeah, it's crazy. He is the plumber that will not die. Well, that's I mean, he's the plumber to save the industry. So exactly. Yeah, like, we're not getting rid of him anytime you know, soon. Mario's importance cannot be understated, but I wanted to mention him because of the fact that it's a generational game. Even people that didn't become gamers that had some experiences when they were younger in the late 80s, early 90s, they can still look at it now to their kids and be like, yeah, I played that game before. Wow, you know, this has really come far. Like, I didn't expect it to last this long. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and, and this is kind of like, it, we're kind of moving, like, way into it, but this is the best part about it is, you know, just talking about games in general. Oh, it's Just what having some for. fun. Man, this is, this is what the podcast is all about. And just as a reminder, guys, you're listening to For Whom the Bell Trolls podcast. With Jolly and Wolfe, you know, all That's done. That's me. Yeah, all done by Trolls Under a Bridge. And uh, just do us a favor real quick. If you're on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button for us if you're enjoying the show so far. Also, clobber the subscribe button. Clobber, he says. Oh, yeah, got to clobber it's it, man. so violent. I love I it. I know. And crush that notification crush bell. Crush the notification bell. Also, Ooh. yeah. Also, guys, if uh, you get a little bit of a chance... We also, inside the description below, this will also be in the show notes for uh, whatever podcast network you're on, whether it's Spotify or Anchor or however we move on. We're actually on uh, Pocket Cast now as well. Nice. So that's going to be great. Um, whatever you're on there, hey, we have, uh, we have a link for our Patreon if you want to help us out directly. Um, we have a Teespring store just so you can find something yourself. Maybe you like some of the designs there. I highly recommend the Uncle Salty collection, Neck Gator, and Coffee Mug. But that's yeah. just me. Yeah, we also have a Fot Shired shirt. Oh, yeah, that we also have great. a Yeah, we also have a great one that uh, I, I, I kind of made to uh, 
troll one of our friends with. It's called a glitch or feature. Oh no! Yeah, we all know the answer to that is yes. Um, yes, Todd Howard. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so there's a few things uh, in there. If y'all be happy to do that, also in the description below, there's gonna be a few things that we talk about, like some links that you can probably check out yourself. Make sure that we add those later on. So we're going to cut off to a break. And uh, we'll be back with you real soon. Stay right here. We'll be right back. All right, everyone. Welcome back to For Whom the Bell Trolls. It trolls for thee. I'm Wolfe, here with my best friend and co-host. Jolly. Yeah, he seemed to have forgotten his own name for a moment. That's okay, buddy. It happens. I Welcome to the magic of podcasting. For those of us who are not entirely paying attention and some new viewers, we've been discussing the concept of monetization in video games, not just microtransactions. It's, it's been a subtle, nuanced kind of journey through the woods where we invariably get lost shortly after making our point. But who cares? We're here now. Exactly. You know, and a lot of it's like looking into the future, man. You know, let's see where we're going here. But I, I can definitely see it starting to turn into something that we can utilize in the future and that we can maybe turn into betterment for the gamers. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody that's a gamer enjoys gaming because of gaming, like nobody yeah. really wants to see it go away. Exactly. And I, I don't think we're in any trouble of that. I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. The industry makes far too much money for it to just disappear overnight. Oh, but yeah. that's what we're talking about is that in order for us to have some kind of future, we need some kind of regulation. And while I, for one, am not super excited about the idea of having legislation drafted, like by the actual judges and court system in the United States. I do agree that as the gamers, like as the interested parties, we should have enough feedback. We should be taking a more, I guess, a more informed approach to how we handle this. Because at the end of the day, we have the voices. We can tell these people, hey, listen, we don't like these practices. We want something better. Yeah, yeah, you know, no, I definitely agree with you on that. It's not so much about getting your local, you know, senator involved, well, getting your senator involved or anything like that. This is about us. This is about us as gamers and making sure that we kind of kind of watch and we get what we want out of this. But it's also something that we have to understand for the developers because I feel like we've talked a lot about gamers. Devs got to make money too. Well, yeah, we've know? only really covered it from the gamer's perspective. That's because neither of us are developers. Exactly. Yet. <laughs> Yet. Mm, yeah. No, it's definitely. Tuned. Oh, yeah. Ooh. And we, we, we got, you know. Listen, it, man, I'll sit down on RPG Maker and throw something together for these people. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. You know. But no, I definitely care about the developers too because they got to make their money. No, and without this isn't them, a one-sided argument either. Like, there's yeah. still people; they still have a business to run, and yeah. you've got to understand they need money to be able to run their businesses. Yeah, and I think why I think that's why I kind of want to push this model a little bit more, and I'm a little bit more open to it. It does. There, there are some obvious things that we don't need to do, but there's some things that developers can utilize. 
that benefits them, but also, you know, makes us as gamers feel rewarded for it and don't feel like it's pushed in our face. And, you know, indie is what's driving this industry right now anyways. I mm-hmm. mean, AAA is still making really good games. but well, they're Of course, AAA. but they're AAA franchises. Like, every year, here's the next Call of Duty, like Clockwork. Every year, here was the next Madden. Here was the the next NBA 2K. Like, yeah. Well, and I'm not saying I necessarily have a problem intrinsically with having continual franchises, but at a certain point, you're kind of tired of it. Like, yeah. There's a certain level of fatigue that's involved when it's thus every year it's the same franchises releasing new installments. Oh yeah, definitely, and we have to be kind of careful of that and. You know, with with sports games, a little bit more accepting because you know there's a draft every single oh, right. year. Of you know, there you gotta have the roster players. every year. Yeah, but I mean, what would happen for argument's sake in a perfect world? What if the next Madden game? What if they just took a couple of years in between football games, and that in between they would give you DLC in the form of new rosters? Yeah, or you could just download the updated rosters. Period. Even if it's not paid DLC. Yeah. Well, I mean, because I don't feel like there's enough innovation in six months between projects yeah, for well, them to franchise. justify a brand new game. Like you're still using the same mechanics for the most part. I feel like even if we took every other year for a sports title and released it, when there's been time for actual innovations in gaming, when the landscape has changed, when the technology has changed, to actually justify a full price tag for these games. Exactly, and uh, I think it's it really comes down to franchise fatigue. That's mm-hmm. a real thing. It happens. Oh, it happened and to me. A perfect example recently with Madden. The newest Madden it was not very well received. People don't like it. The, the athletes don't like how it was done. People that love playing the game just they had a lot of issues with it, and a lot of that comes down to franchise fatigue. And with today's day and age, you know, maybe you can do DLC rosters essentially. You know, hey, you know, we made some minor changes to the game, and this is the, you know, Madden 22, uh, you know, DLC. Right. So you got everything for the news, and it feels like you're getting something new. And that that's something for, you know, um, EA Tibron to uh, kind of work on. Right. Um, I'm not calling them out in particular. Like, I'm not hateful towards them. It's just not games that I enjoy playing. For me, I'm more of the traditional gamer. My escapist fantasy does not need to be something that I could do in real life. Like, I played football. I played basketball. I played baseball. I don't really want to sit down. And I feel like those sports games fans are their own kind of separate fan of gamer. But they're all still gamers. They still deserve the same things that we're asking for. They deserve to get their money's worth. Yeah, and they deserve that representation, you know. Absolutely. And and a lot of times I have fun with that because, I mean, when we really kind of allude to it it's one of the very few things left that can still be kind of couch co-op you know that's how me and my brother get together he likes playing madden and stuff like that back when ncaa oh i remember we all used to sit down like five or six of us and just pass the sticks oh yeah play four player ncaa football oh yeah it was so much fun you know you make a seven foot tall all 99 i love that i love that seven and a half foot tall 600 pound behemoth of a running back that just can't be tackled yeah or a safety that's like top speed and it makes no sense you know (laughs) there are a lot of fun times with those types of games but you know it takes a very particular and you know there are other genres like that as well like you know i love fighting games i'm terrible at fighting games. oh i absolutely love fighting games 
but I am hands down the worst. Yeah, when I can't even get a combo down in Mortal Kombat, like, you know there's an issue when okay, it comes to I'm fighting games. I'm not that bad, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Injustice. Let's play Injustice. It's Mortal Kombat with DC characters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, so there's a lot of fun to be had there. And there's, and as this develops, as it becomes better, as monetization gets better in video games, this is something that we can enjoy. We'll be able to enjoy more games. So what is it that needs to change in the industry that makes you think in particular that it would be a better landscape overall for gamers? What kind of, what kind of monetization model would you like to see? Okay, well, it has to be in... I can't think of like a perfect example of it just yet because they're not all quite there. It's still something new mm-hmm. to the industry in a sense, even though it's been around for quite some time. You know, we kind of forget that some things do take a time in today's society. Right. We still have to give time for natural growth. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's kind of like this whole in between. Like we talked about Smite earlier, you know, mm-hmm. and how those battle chess works. Well, me and you both played Paragon, which, you know, ended up being a failed game by oh, Epic. I loved Paragon yeah, so much. It was much. so good, but one of the biggest problems they had was they couldn't make enough money off of it. Why? Because we loved it as players. I been I the only reason why I ever spent money on it was just because I wanted that one skin for Gideon. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I was one of those Gideon players. Because super ripped wizard. Yeah, right? Space wizard. Seriously, you guys owe it to yourself. Go look up a picture of Gideon from the game Paragon. This dude has the beefiest of biceps, which means I don't want to hear shit out of anybody talking about Chris Redfield anymore. <laughs> Gideon was a 65-year-old yoked fucking space wizard. <laughs> and right. I loved it. Actually, I think it was like closer. I think in the lore, he was like 300 years old. Oh, he old. was probably like made to be much older, but he looked like. Yeah. He looked like yeah. very nice salt and pepper beard, very handsome, very refined and yeah, regal. exactly. But their, their system inside there, it was really beneficial to gamers. Like the in-game currency you could get, all the chest. Like when it came down to, it almost felt like when even when there was a duplicate lot of Drops weren't a thing. No, not at all. If like, you it didn't got change the it item, to a currency, they would take it out of the loot pool. Yeah, like if you already had a special skin for Gideon, you couldn't get that skin again. Exactly, and there wasn't any chance of oh well, it was a duplicate, so we give you some currency, which the currency doesn't even match. No, that happens in a lot of games. Yeah, that's a crap way to handle it. Yeah, and but it really came down to I mean yeah we had some friends that you know just for fun. Would see how much money they could oh, spend in no, one night. I remember that these two individuals were actually having a contest to see who could spend the most money on skins, and yeah. they were both over the $300 mark the last time I asked. Yeah, yeah, you know, so a free game at this time. We got into it when it released on consoles, and it was still paid like it was paid early access. I had to buy a founder's pack, it was yeah. only like 20 bucks, it was nothing terrible, but eventually the game came out for free. So you have people that spent literally no money on purchasing the game, but they decided to go spend a couple of hundred dollars a piece just on skins. Yeah, and that was just because they they didn't have to do that. I mean, look at all the skins that we had, all the emotes that we had. They had some really good skins and emotes. We hardly spent any money. I I spent money just because one of the the, uh, heroes they came out with, I was actually really excited about, you know? And then I spent one on Gideon because, you know, it was actually pretty cool. It was a skeleton pirate skin. Oh, yeah, it was like, pretty bad. It was, it was legit. All man. right, we could do an entire podcast right. on Paragon and how awesome it was and how much of a travesty it was that yeah. Epic Games 
decided not to pursue the game anymore. Well, that's because they weren't making money on it. And that was, that was kind of the reason why I brought it up in the first place. They weren't making money on it because it was such a lucrative system for the players, not for them money-wise. Those of you who want an inside track into this argument should probably understand this from the outset. I'm not trying to dissuade you either way. But Paragon was having trouble becoming monetized properly. They weren't happy with the models they were trying to put together. And it just so happened at the same time Epic released Fortnite. Yeah, there, there's actually no actual core like connection there. There's a correlation. No, what I'm saying is, is even yeah. if they could have found a way to monetize it, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. They had just released yeah, Fortnite. Yeah, and the Fortnite's just massive. And they actually learned how to monetize better. And maybe they learned that from Paragon. Maybe it's Perhaps. just something they... Maybe it was just the model that they had was much better. Or, That's just me. I'm sentimental yeah. towards a dead game. Yeah, exactly. But when you come down to it, so how do you get it to work better? Well, you definitely don't want to do it like they did in Paragon because your game's never going to make oh, it. Oh, for sure. It's just yeah. dead on arrival. But you don't want to be... You want to, you don't want to be like predatory with your loot boxes like EA was. You don't mm-hmm. want to get into all of these different little things. You want to find that sweet medium. And that's up to us and the players and the developers to figure out too. Because if we can figure out this system and make it work, it benefits the developers because then they don't have to worry about all this other crazy stuff. They can develop the game they want to develop. They can have game. They can start coming out with games, especially multiplayer games, that they can work on throughout the years, and they still have money flowing in. Mm-hmm. They can still give you DLC. They can give you character updates. They can do all of this stuff, and it doesn't have to be just you know battle royale. It doesn't have to be just right. mobile. There are other types of games that can still be successful. Yeah, and some of these Battle Royale games that are coming out, they're adding new modes that are actually more fun than the actual Battle Royale. I mean, you look at Warzone, the thing, the big thing that made me play Warzone was the money heist thing. Like, that was actually really fun, you know? You, you and your friends, you go out and you collect money from crates and stuff like that, and you had to, like, send it up. Like, it was, it was really good. Oh, so it's a neat little variation on the formula. Yeah, and then uh, you look at one of the newest ones, um, Hyperscape. It came out not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And in that one, they had a limited thing that we decided to play, and it was basically a big battle. Oh, like old school Halo BTB? Yeah, except for it still had the Battle Royale style, and in that game, when it breaks down, the section of the map disappears entirely. Oh, so you literally can't go outside of the boundaries. Yeah. Um, Yeah. None of this hiding in the mist and bandaging myself until yeah. everyone else is yeah, dead. Yeah, it does damage to you. Eventually, Good. you're just gone. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's a really cool concept, actually. And, like, it, it was this big, huge battle thing. You have all these, you have three different factions, and you're running through it, and you're doing that. Like, mm-hmm. that was cool to me. So there are different ways of doing things out there. You don't just have to do Battle Royale. You don't just have to do MOBAs. You don't have to do trading card games, Okay. Well, you know, online card games. You don't have to. Yeah. But I mean, those are different ways you can do that. Those are ways that we know now where we can develop those systems. And so when it comes to the developer side of it, this actually helps out indie developers as well. Because if you can figure out this system, and indie developers are going to be the ones that do it, they figure out the system, it's going to be more beneficial to them. Right. So if we can get the entirety of the video games industry to move towards, say, a free-to-play model where you kind of pick, like, an a la carte style of content. Like Destiny tried. 
Well, they said they were going to try and do. Like, well, I didn't know if they ever implemented it or not. I was dealing uh, with the game before then. Bungie kind of did something kind of it sort of like that. It was an interesting idea that yeah. they were going to try. Be like, hey, yeah. look, the game is free to play. You decide what content you want to pay for. My problem was is that from looking at it from the outside, again, disclaimer, I didn't buy into any of it. After I saw the initial announcement, I was fed up with it and I was done. It may have turned out to have been perfect. I don't know. I'm just an uninformed troll. Yeah, well, there were a few things that kind of got left behind. Like they said, hey, if you've bought all this stuff up to this point, we're going to give you credit on the season pass. And then yeah, they didn't. It, it was there, but it wasn't what we thought it would credit be. Credit towards yeah. the battle pass, Which, but not much. For, for you devs out there that may listen to us, communication with your players and clarity is like super important. Really important because if you don't clarify things with us, we're gonna assume that okay, this is how this is gonna work. We're gonna get really excited, and then we're gonna see it. We're gonna be like, wait, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Like, what's right. the, I don't see a difference since Activision Activision left. Like, was it really them that was causing all yeah, these issues? It kind of seems like you guys were blaming Activision, and now they're gone. You don't have yeah. another well, scapegoat. It wasn't, it wasn't them. I mean, they weren't saying anything otherwise. But I'm not saying that that's the truth there. But I think it's really easy for us as gamers too, and I think. I think with these systems, it's going to make it a little bit easier on these publishers because we need publishers. We need EA. Oh, we need Activision. We need Telltale. 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 Wow. Uh, Telltale went out of business. Oh, Telltale did go out of business. Yeah. Remember yeah. the whole uh, Seven Days to Die fiasco? Let's see. We need them. Um, yeah, we needed them. <laughs> I want an update to Seven Days to Die on the PlayStation 4. <laughs> exactly. And it's been over two years. So I guess it's not going to fucking happen. Yeah. No, and... No, it... it y- we need those publishers. Those publishers are how indie developers are going to make it. Yeah. And how AAA developers are going to be able to do things like Destiny, which was a super expensive game. Bungie wasn't able to do that on their own. That's true. And, you know, and despite, you know, us getting away from it, we loved it. And so many other people have loved that game. Oh, yeah. I love the shit out of that game. Oh, yeah, dude. It was the most fun that we've ever had as a group playing a game yeah. and how ridiculous that we got with things. I mean, oh, absolutely. Also side note to any developers that may be listening, there was a function where you could split the chat output for the audio between your headset and the TV speakers so that you could still hear in your headset, but everyone else could hear around you. I want more of this feature. Oh yeah. It was so much fun. I mean, how many times did we get with somebody? And... We'd have friends and family members that would literally just sit on the couch and listen to us be ridiculous. Exactly. You know, and like that's an extra level of fun and inclusivity that you can add. Exactly. So please give us that option to make people laugh. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Cause I mean, I mean, well, let's go ahead and face it. Couch co-op isn't going to last too much longer. Listen, man, don't get me started on couch co-op. Uh, it's we'll have a hole in my chest. Yeah, we'll have to have a whole other episode on that. <laughs> just, just about how couch co-op. But, hey, you know, it, it, a lot of it has to deal with the fact, I mean, you look at, like, what current situation or what's going on. We're not going to get into that. Nope. But, you know, a lot of that's caused us, you know, we can't get with our friends. You know, we, we can't always be around each other and stuff like that. There's a lot of things going on. There's some people that has had to stay at their homes and stuff. So online gaming, yeah, it makes sense. I can still get online. I can still talk to my buddies, and I can still play games with them and enjoy time. Yeah, but as far as couch co-op goes, you can't really 
use the fact that there was an incident that required people to stay home as an excuse for why it doesn't exist anymore when it was already being taken well, away before that. Well, I mean, even before that, it was much more beneficial to just, you know, you right. all had it and all doing everything well, else. remember how Which, bad you know, split screen used to be for some games? Like, yeah, you could play four players on the same screen, original Halo, but if you wanted to do that, you needed a big-ass TV so that you could still be able to see what was going on. Yeah. Like, split-screen has not always been great. Like, it definitely grew a lot over the years. But couch co-op as a thing, I'd like to see more of it, personally. Yeah, and uh, that'll definitely be something for a future episode. Maybe it'll be our next episode. That actually sounds like a good idea. Uh, all right, I'm just, firing on all cylinders, if that's hey, what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're starting to get a little bit close to time. So what I want to go ahead and dedicate time to you, the viewers, please, guys, if you're on any of the podcast networks, give us a review, you know, let us know how we're doing. Leave us some comments. Also on YouTube, leave us comments. Give us your engagement. Let us know what you want to hear because these podcasts, whether we're doing the Dungeons and Dragons on Wednesdays or we're doing this podcast on Fridays, you know, this is this is made for us and you. You're going to have a big impact on it. So please Please engage with us. Let us know. You know, tell us how we're doing. By all means, we want as much feedback as we can get because we're having fun doing this, but it's not like we don't just sit down and have conversations like this on our own. This is a way for us to reach out to other people, mostly to get your own feedback. I'm sure that there's somebody in the comments right now that is just fired up over literally everything I said and just can't wait to tell me about how wrong I am. Go right ahead. Fight me in the comments. I can't wait. I'd love to see you there. Exactly. And uh, I want to hear that. I want to hear about the different things because I want us to improve. I want to make this better for you. And you want us to make it better. It's just like what we were talking about with video games. So with that being said, thank you guys so much for giving us this time. Please, please, if you enjoy what we're doing and you leave us those comments, you leave us those reviews, we have a Patreon. Go ahead and check that out. Also, uh, check out our Teespring store and uh, just, you know, like it. Keep us in mind. All links and will be in the description in the video on YouTube and on the podcast. Exactly. And we'll be more than happy to work with you on that. So with that being said, this is the For Whom the Bell Trolls podcast presented by Trolls Under a Bridge. And this is Jolly. And this is Wolfay. Thank you so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again soon. Goodbye, everybody.